You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the official free podcast of TheBarkBoard.com, your one-stop shop for all your Fresno State athletic news. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio Rique, being joined by the publisher of the Barkboard, Mr. Jackson Moore. Jackson, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Lucio. How are you? Oh, I'm hanging in there. Uh, beautiful day out today, and uh, but uh, you know, you had a, quite an experience there in New Mexico. It was your first time out there this uh, this past weekend. Weather looked like it was all right, right? And and so, what was your experience there for for being there for the first time? Yeah, weather was nice. Um, didn't get too cold. Got a little windy. Uh, <laughs> might need to put a jacket on. But other than that, uh, it was really nice. Uh, I mean, the skies are beautiful. You can see for miles. No smog or nothing. <laughs> and if you've watched Breaking Bad, then they show all those scenes <laughs> of the clouds and stuff. <laughs> I mean, that's we were right where that show was <laughs> was filmed in Albuquerque. So, uh, I mean. It kind of looked familiar, even though I had never been there. As I've seen that series from front to back, um, yeah, it was cool. Uh, checked out the university; pretty nice, different kind of architecture. Kind of reminded me uh, like a hybrid of uh, San Diego State and UC Davis and Fresno <laughs> State a little bit. If you've seen those campuses, kind of all mixed into one. There, <laughs> pretty nice, and uh, checked out the old town they had. Went on some hikes. Saw the petroglyphs out there in the mountains, or uh, the what they've got there, and yeah, it was cool. Um, I really enjoyed it, and I was surprised. I had never been there and didn't know there was anything to do, and <laughs> was jam packed with stuff. So that was pretty neat. Now, one thing that they're they're famous for over there is is a, a melting pot of different types of cuisine and and mm. and food, but everything they do there is pretty much spicy. Yeah. <laughs> Did you get a chance to kind of take that in a little bit? Yeah, I had a couple of New Mexican meals, and uh, the the actual food is not all that different, but they smother it in chili, green and red, and <laughs> I that, that makes for a whole different experience. And uh, I got my New Mexican food. with It comes more like potatoes than rice, so that was kind of something different that you don't see here in the Valley. Well, just about everything there, they have to put some kind of a sauce on top, yeah. of it, and it's going to be <laughs> spicy. Whether it be like you know breakfast, lunch, or dinner, doesn't matter. There's always some type of a sauce on top of it, and a lot of those peppers are homegrown there. So, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. They'd like their food spicy, but what wasn't spicy was the way Nevada – or not Nevada, New Mexico played against the Bulldogs, (laughs) only managing to score seven points, uh, which this defense finally gave up a touchdown. But then didn't give up a whole nother one for the whole game. So only seven points. So in the last three games, they have given up a total of, what, 13 points? Yeah. (laughs) So 13 points in three games. That's still a pretty good record for a defense who is ranked top, uh, pretty much close to the top of the all of the NCAA, uh, if not the top defense at the moment, um, with what they are able to do. So I'm not sure if you know those numbers yet, Jackson, or where do they rank as far as the, the, the NCAA? Yeah, nationally, I believe they moved from number two to number one after last week's performance. Uh, as far as points allowed per game, I think they're at, at under 13 points per game. And uh, I mean, that's pretty spectacular. 
Um, points allowed, if you look at the conference play alone, they've only given up the 13, as you mentioned. The next closest is 43 with San Diego State, and the next closest after that is in the 70s. So, I mean, it's like not even close <laughs> how, how Fresno State's defense is performing next to the, the next best defenses in the conference. So right now, uh, Fresno State is playing at a national-type level. Again, people are going to argue they're not really playing anyone, but that is really not Fresno State's fault. I mean, the conference is what it is. Uh, The fact that Fresno State is still able to kind of hold their own and pretty much keep these these offenses in check uh, says a lot for this team. Um, Now, there as we start heading into the, you know, the the meat and potatoes of their schedule, things are going to start to get a little more interesting, especially uh, this upcoming week. They're going to go up against Hawaii, who is notoriously a high octane type of an offense. But we'll we'll see what happens when the Bulldogs face with them and how exactly they match up. But we'll we'll talk about that a little bit later in the podcast. Before we get into that, we have to talk about what happened during this game against New Mexico. And for once here in the last couple of weeks, it looked like the Fresno State offense was really comfortable and they had an, an explosion of offensive uh, performance. What, you know, what did you see being there in person? What was the overall feel of what you saw was happening there? Yeah, even in the first quarter when it wasn't too lopsided yet. I mean, the Bulldogs had three possessions. They went into New Mexico territory all three times. The defense had stuffed them and the score was only 10 to 0, I believe, at that point, which you kind of felt like it's either going to go one of two ways. Either this dominance is going to continue and it's going to be a blowout and they'll score eventually, or you know they kind of missed their shot to score and it's going to even out. And, of course, the first of those two scenarios played out. Uh, the Bulldogs just kept moving the ball, and uh, they were fortunately able to cap those drives off with scores more often in the second and third quarters, and particularly right there at right before halftime when New Mexico did get on the board, and suddenly this totally lopsided game in the box score was only 17-7, to <laughs> and you got a whole other half to play. Uh, 57 seconds left, they moved the ball down in three plays with some penalties included and score in 21 seconds. I mean, that was... Pretty ridiculous how fast that happened, how fast they answered. And the other uh, neat thing about it was that we've seen a lot of times Coach Tedford teams will be willing to take a kneel or run the ball and just run out the clock, and they let the offense rip there. With They were going to be aggressive and try to score, and it worked out. So, And then, they, of course, they took over in the third quarter, that very first drive in the third quarter. I believe that was like the 14-play, 75-yard, six-minute drive where they just could do whatever they wanted. And it was totally over after those. The first drive of the second half and the last drive of the first half really cemented that this was not going to be a close game. Well, it really did look like they just took the sails out of uh, out of New Mexico um, early on in that game. <clears throat> I mean, once they were able to kind of start putting the pedal down and get those scores one after another, it just looked like this team was, uh, you know, just ready to kind of shut it down. Fresno State kept putting the pressure on and kept scoring. Um, and it, it just seemed like it was more at will at times. I mean, there was a couple of plays that were just amazing. Uh, wide open receivers. Uh, I think there was one, um, couldn't remember which receiver it was, but he just made a move and all of a sudden he was all by himself. I think that was Hardaway, not Hardaway. Um, oh, Keyshawn. Keyshawn. Yeah. yeah, he made one move to the outside. The DB bit on it and then all of a sudden he went upfield and was wide open all to himself <laughs> heading to the end zone. So, I mean, 
this offense looked like it was, you know, running on all cylinders. And I mean, what more can you say? I mean, who who stood out to you the best on offense during this whole game? On offense, to me, probably Ronnie Rivers because we saw him flash against Nevada with the two scores. But really, statistically, he didn't have a ton of yards in that game. Um, saw him a little more against Wyoming, but this game, man, he really broke off some big plays. He had the three scores. Um, it just felt like he was the hot hand, and we haven't really seen a hot hand in the running back committee yet this year. It's just kind of been one guy after the next doing okay, not great, and Rivers, I mean, really looks comfortable. That was his fourth game total back, and looks like he could be the guy that kind of takes over and sees more of the, the reps, and by the end of the game where they really ran the ball in the fourth quarter, it was pretty evenly spread out between him and Hokid and uh, Mims, but Rivers got the big carries on the drives where they needed points, and Really impressed with him in particular. Now, what more can you say about Rivers? Because it looks like he is now all of a sudden uh, he's got that power back uh, in him again. He's he's got those the quick moves. He's he's able to make that one move and cut really quickly. It just looks like the old Ronnie again. Yeah. Does it look like he is at a hundred percent now? Yeah, definitely. And yeah, we only saw him take a couple snaps against Toledo in his first appearance, and he returned some punts, but. We didn't get a really good grasp of where he was at. Nevada, we saw a couple flashes. And this past game against New Mexico, it was consistent. Just about every time he had the ball, he was doing something positive with it. Even when he wasn't in open field, he was getting a few yards here and there to keep the offense moving, keep the chains moving. So, yeah, I mean, he looks like physically, mentally, he's all there. And uh, it's really fortunate for Fresno State because he was not supposed to play this year. He's had an exceptional recovery process. So Bulldogs are very glad to have him right now, especially when they get into some of these more uh, competitive games. Now, it, it, he is looks like he's back at full strength and in that offense tends to work a lot better when he is playing. But what's going on with the rest of those running backs? It looks... It, it, they just look like they've kind of fallen off or disappeared. Is there injuries happening there in the depth chart? Yeah, um, Josh Hokett was pretty involved, but it seems like ever since he missed that Nevada game, he's played a couple of plays and then looks like something might be nagging him a little bit. Uh, but they they went to him in the Wildcat offense, which was uh, something they did a little bit more of last weekend, uh, something that they just thought matched up well against New Mexico and gives them a little bit of an advantage as far as personnel goes to pick up some yards in the running game. Um, but Hokit, when used, has done well. Um, I don't think they'll be giving him 20-plus carries or anything like that, but uh, when he's in there, he's done well. And Jordan Mims, uh, of course, we haven't seen him though quite the same way we saw him against Toledo when he had his big game, but by the end of these box scores, he's putting up about as many carries as the rest of the guys, mostly getting those fourth quarter runs and keeping the clock moving. But um, it looks like he's been kind of dealing with something as well. So to have Ronnie back at full strength is a, a big thing for the offense. Now, it, the running back being what it is, can't do anything without that offensive line. It looked like they finally gelled this week. Um, and is it? do you think that this is a lineup that's going to be repeated again here against Hawaii? Yeah, I think they've uh, liked this lineup with Logan Hughes at guard, um, at left guard. That's been a positive for Fresno State. It's kind of, I think it's worked a little bit better the last couple of games. Uh, Nevada and Wyoming both had pretty strong defensive fronts, so it was going to be tough regardless to get a whole lot going against them in the run. But 
here against New Mexico, they had a better matchup and they were able to take advantage of it, which is really what you wanted to see just to make sure that this running game was capable when given the matchup that they can take advantage and really you know, get the team into the 30s rather than the 20s just in case they actually need to score all those points to win, uh, that they'll be capable of doing it. And uh, I think we'll see that continue. Um, Marcus Boyer and Micah St. Andrew, I think they can basically flip between center and right guard any game based on the matchup. But the rest of the offensive line looks like they're pretty much settled in. And and it looks like they finally found the right pieces to put them together. <laughs> and they're just working great. Um, and so when that happens, it gives time for McMarion to find those receivers, gives openings for the running backs to find their lanes. Uh, but now... Uh, the wide receivers are starting to get loose, which helps McMarion, you know, be able to to kind of do what he does best, and that's find the open receiver, um, or you know, take off with his own feet. And he is showing exactly the kind of uh, potential threat that he can be in these games. And now uh, going against Hawaii, it's coming at a right time uh, for the Bulldogs. But you know, they they couldn't do this without getting the opportunity and the defense has been putting them in great position game after game. And this last game, they put them in great field positions almost at every single possession. Um, And so what was your overall thoughts and process when you got to see this defense just playing? They were just flying all over the place, weren't they? Yeah. New Mexico looked frustrated. (laughs) And, you know, the plays where they did have success, you could tell that, how frustrated they were when they were failing because there was one play in particular their quarterback took off for a big gain and was so excited he threw the ball up in the air 15 yard penalty right back to where they were before that big gain uh so yeah it was just pretty dominant uh, it was you could tell they were disheartened when new mexico scored uh, that one touchdown that they did get but i mean other than that another solid game uh, new mexico brought some different challenges they were a kind of a balanced team they could hit you in a variety of different ways and they just never got going against this defense and it was one where it wasn't necessarily so much Blake Cusick who did help when he called on but a lot of the times it was just Fresno State kicking off getting a three and out and all of a sudden the Bulldogs are right there 50 60 yards away from a score so another I mean well executed game in all three phases yeah it's been uh it's been game after game for this defense and this last game, I, I thought that the player that stood out to me was Mike Bell, but you know, you might have a different player. What, who was the player that kind of stood out for you? Yeah, uh, Mike Bell with another interception. That was big. Uh, he caught that one, ran, ran right at me on the sideline with my camera, <laughs> so that was kind of neat. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, for him to get the, this third straight game with an interception, that was impressive. Um, they're going to have a whole lot of opportunities this week to get some more. The Hawaii doesn't throw a lot of them, but they throw a lot of passes. Uh, I mean, other than Bell, uh, Jeff Allison had another good game. Uh, he had a few pretty amazing tackles after pursuing the ball carrier. Um, of course, he went down with an injury in the fourth quarter. It was, it was kind of scary, but it looks like he'll be okay to play this week. So, um, yeah, defense is working well as a whole overall, and then the reserves came in after that injury and were able to stop New Mexico from scoring there in the last seconds as well. So good overall performance from them. Yeah, and this uh, it just looks like it's going to continue. But this this upcoming game, they're going to be going up against 
you know, notoriously one of Fresno State's biggest rivals year in and year out is Hawaii because for some reason, no matter what the records are, it always seems to turn out to be either a, a great battle or a blowout. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it. This one has all the potential to be one of those games where it could be close all the way to the end. Um, so I'm, I don't What are your thought on that? Because now the Bulldogs, they kind of have to switch gears. They've been facing a lot of teams that like to run. And now you're going to face a team that's very pass happy. Hmm. And how does that ultimately going to change the way the Bulldogs are going to approach this? Because now, now they've got to worry more about the pass than they, they do the run. Do they change what they've been doing that's been helping them be successful? You know, they may have to adjust the personnel a little bit. I think the greater scheme is going to be very similar, but Hawaii is a team in their run-and-shoot offense. Their best two receivers are their slot receivers, and you don't see a whole lot of teams that will put four receivers out on the field just about every down, and you can't always go in with your same base defense when you play a team like that. Uh, so Aaron Mosby is a guy who could see the field quite a bit this week as that extra defensive back, or a, he's playing linebacker actually right now, but um, he's almost a nickel back the way they're using him. Um, I mean, Hawaii, they've got 29 touchdowns and three interceptions from their starting quarterback and uh, nine starts from Cole McDonald. That's an incredible numbers, but uh, it hasn't quite been the same as of late, and that's where I think Fresno State – could make this game look very similar to the last few. Um, the Warriors really got off to a good start. They were double-digit underdogs their first two games against Colorado State and Navy and won those games by about double digits, both of them. Uh, they got off to a 5-1 and one start. Their only loss was against Army. Uh, they only had the ball for like 18 minutes and still had a chance to tie it or win it at the very last minute and just couldn't quite convert in the red zone. Since then... It uh, hasn't been pretty. They needed five overtimes to beat winless San Jose State. Uh, they lost McDonald <laughs> for a game where uh, fresh, true freshman uh, Siobhan Cordero had to start, and they barely squeaked a win over Wyoming, 17-13 at home. McDonald came back, but again, the offense hasn't been the same either, only putting up 23 points in a loss at BYU and 22 points in a loss to Nevada, which 22 and 23 are... Fairly decent outings for most teams, but Hawaii was putting up 40s, it seemed, just about every game. So uh, they're not quite clicking the same way they were early on in the season. Uh, Cole McDonald uh, seems to be perhaps limited a little bit by the injury, where he was doing a lot of run um, run pass option plays and read options from uh, run and shoot offense. That isn't really known for doing that, which made them even more threatening. Uh, they've had to kind of cut that back a little bit. Um, and the other key issue with Hawaii is their defense, which has just been a vulnerability regardless of the matchup. And this should be another one where Fresno State's offense puts up points and all they need is the defense to keep the Rainbow Warriors from scoring two to three times and they should get out of Bulldog Stadium with a convincing win in my mind. And that's what I was going to ask you. Is this another one of those games where it has been all season where the defense cancels out their offense and then the Bulldogs offense takes over the game. Um, as long as the defense does their job, you don't see a, a problem here with Fresno State coming out with a win on this one. No, yeah. If this game was played maybe four weeks ago or so, 
four or five, I would be ready for a total showdown because Hawaii was really clicking. As of late, not so much. The line on this game is about 24 points right now. And, um, yeah, I think uh, I'm shocked to see that number because I think it would have been a really close game a few weeks back. But the way Hawaii is playing right now, the way the Bulldogs' defense is clicking, I think they should win by about that much, if not more. So ultimately, what is going to be the key for Fresno State's offense here? Where can they exploit the the Rainbow Warriors going into this game? Well, Hawaii has struggled on defense all around for the most part. Uh, they're going to be without their star linebacker, Jelani Tavai. That's a tough hit. He's their main guy. He's racked up 120 tackles the last two years and is well on pace to do it again this year. Uh, so that's going to put another hole in their defense. Um, the thing that I look at, they played Wyoming a couple weeks back, who after Wyoming came to Bulldog Stadium, we know they can't pass the ball a lick. <laughs> Wyoming ran it. Uh, they ran their running back, Nico Evans, 24 times for 192 yards. That's eight yards a carry. They had only passed the ball about nine times in that same span. So basically the Cowboys went to Hawaii. They said all we're going to do is run the ball, and Hawaii still couldn't stop it. So this is a game where Fresno State should be able to really open things up by establishing the run. This should be one of their easier matchups as far as getting the run game going. And then once that's established, hitting them with the big passes. Yeah. So, you know, this could, it could be, could be an interesting one since, uh, you know, McMarion could get loose on this one. I mean, they, he's shown that he, he can move around with his legs and, you know, it could be another one of those where they, they use him a little bit more. Don't you think? I mean, he, he gets around that corner fairly quickly. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh, it could be one of those matchups where McMarion's legs could ultimately be, be a big factor in this one that could also lead to, to just make opening things up a little bit. Um, but, uh, that's the that's the matchup there. How about the the keys for the defense? Where do you see that they could ultimately take advantage of this uh, Hawaii offense? Yeah, they. I think they can get to Cole McDonald, where the run and shoot offense is mostly a you know they get the ball out pretty quick, you move fast, you get off and on the field pretty quick. Um, I think Fresno State can get to McDonald a little bit. He's not quite as mobile as of late. Uh, the Rainbow Warriors have given up about 20 sacks, so they're vulnerable there. Um, and that will change things because as long as he has time to throw, he's going to put up some big numbers um, against most defenses. And then Fresno State's really got to avoid the big plays where New Mexico actually had about two or three passes where receivers got behind the secondary and they just weren't able to connect on them. Uh, Tank Kelly is playing through some pain. Jaron Bryan has been playing through injuries all season. And they've got redshirt freshman Waylon Free, who stepped in at cornerback for the Bulldogs as well. Um, they're going to need the three of those guys to really be on their toes and not let these receivers get behind them because slot receivers John Arsua and Cedric Bird are both game-breaking guys, and they can hurt you bad. And if the Warriors throw it about 50 times, it's not impossible for them to break one, two, or three of those big plays against even Fresno State's defense. Yeah, and that's and that's where things all are always a little interesting when Hawaii comes to town. Uh, for some reason, they like playing in Bulldog Stadium. Um, <laughs> there has been... There's I, I I can remember quite a few times where it ended up being blowouts, but not in the Bulldogs' favor uh, because Hawaii... Once they get going, they don't stop. They just like to keep the gas going at all times, um, especially in this rivalry. So 
hopefully we see uh, Tedford with the same kind of uh, mentality <laughs> against the Hawaii Warriors there. But you're, I mean, that's that's going to be a great matchup there, and it's one that's a must win for Hawaii. I mean, it's kind of crazy to even say that with them being having six wins, but the way we have looked at it. They are going to have a hard time finding that seventh win, right, Jackson? Mm. In the remaining schedule for them, yeah. So Hawaii started out the year six and one, and to think they would need to have trouble finding another win from there is hard to believe. But they had a kind of easy schedule. That again, they had to get upset wins against Colorado State and Navy, um, but and then they had to squeeze out a win against Wyoming with their backup. But because Hawaii is playing thirteen games as they usually do. Uh, they need a seventh one to officially confirm bowl eligibility. And they lost at BYU, which was not an easy game. They lost to Nevada, who the Bulldogs found out are a stronger defense than on paper. And uh, with Ty Ganji back at quarterback, the Wolfpack have played more competitively there. Uh, they took Boise State to the wire the previous week, so the Wolfpack looked better than we thought. Um, Hawaii has to come to Fresno State this week. Then they get Utah State, the leader in the Mountain Division. Their finale is against San Diego State on the road. That's another game that they're probably going to be underdogs in. And the only other one in between there is a home game against UNLV, uh, which they do have a bye to prepare for. So there's going to be a lot riding probably on them getting that win against the UNLV Rebels to secure bowl eligibility, um, which, again, they would finish the season winning one out of their last seven if that's all they can manage in these last few games. So... um, a tough uh, turn of events for Hawaii. Uh, it's kind of right when the schedule got tougher, their personnel seemed to get a, a point where they were struggling a little bit with injuries, and uh, you just don't want to see them spiral out. But for Fresno State, uh, you want to make sure you get this win because not only uh, is Hawaii looking for bill eligibility, they're still 3-1 and one in Mountain West play, and they'd have to go on a heck of a run here in the final few weeks, but they're not out of it as far as the Mountain West Championship goes. They control their own destiny because their only loss is to Nevada, who already has two losses. So if Hawaii wins out, they should be in the Mountain West Championship, but that road is about as tough as it gets for uh, the teams that they have to play. Yeah, things are going to get interesting. So that 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 leads us to our next topic. We're going to start diving in again. Uh, this is going to be a recurring theme now until the end of the uh, until the end of the year, uh, because now we we kind of have to keep an eye on this race in the Mountain West, um, and things are just getting a little bit interesting because last week um, Hawaii loses and San Diego State almost loses to San Jose State, <laughs> which no one saw coming. Um, and San Jose State really gave it to all they had against San Diego. And you got a chance to kind of see that, didn't you, Jackson? And what was your thoughts on on what's going on there? Yeah, uh, by the time I got back to my room uh, from the New Mexico game, they were going into the fourth quarter, San Diego State and San Jose State. And man, that game was going down to the wire, and that actually didn't surprise me a whole lot. I still think San Diego State's a whole lot better than San Jose State. Obviously, the records, that's not a overwhelming statement to make, but San Diego State does not win games easy. Their only win by more than a touchdown, I believe, was against Sacramento State, a game that they could have lost had they not converted a fourth down in the fourth quarter, and then they ran away with it for after that play. 
Um, they don't blow out anyone. They don't have the offense to score many points. Their defense, on the other hand, is very tough. But they seem to be able to uh, step up in the fourth quarter when needed and, and seal these types of games. And I definitely could see San Jose State putting up a fight, but I definitely saw the Aztecs pulling out with the win at the end as well. And uh, San Diego State's going to continue playing games like that, but I think they'll play some teams that might be able to to knock them off. I think Nevada has bad timing for the Aztecs this weekend. If San Diego State only puts up 14, 17 points again, I think Nevada's going to be able to come out with a win. Yeah, so things things this week... Things this week could get very interesting. Like you mentioned, San Diego has to face Nevada, which if Nevada does what they have been doing lately, things could get very, very, very interesting this week, Mm -hmm. especially if they pull out a win against San Diego. That would ultimately put the Bulldogs in the driver's seat uh, from this point on until the end of the season. So whatever, depending on what happens this week – and and what and what transpires this this could happen to really start to clear open clear up the the race uh for the mountain west um but i know this past week there was mentions of the bulldogs and in particular there's curb street on the the college game day and he actually talked about the Bulldogs and what the, what he feels is going on and break that down for us, Jackson. What exactly did Kurt Herbstreet talk about this past week? Yeah, it was nice to see Fresno State on college game day. <laughs> they haven't been uh, on the national shows or anything like that for quite some time. and uh, To be back on that stage is pretty neat. Uh, basically, what Kurt Herbstreet was arguing was why is UCF getting all the love at number 10? They're the only team really being discussed in the uh, the group of five uh, bid for the New Year's Six game. And I think the statement was kind of more of a shot at UCF than it was quite praising <laughs> Fresno State. But Fresno State did benefit greatly from it because they were the one other group of five team that got the most publicity. Um, Herb Street was basically showing teams like Fresno State, Utah State, Appalachian State, the three of them. Uh, in a lot of uh, analytics, whether it be offensive and defensive efficiency or some of the ratings like the Sagarin, uh, Fresno State and a few of those other teams too are ahead of UCF in a lot of those stats and um, kind of making the argument, even though UCF is uh, one of only two undefeated teams in the group of five ranks right now, they haven't really beaten anyone and the analytics say that they're not quite as good and that they're basically only getting the love because they went undefeated last year, which... You know, if a group of five team goes undefeated back to back, I think it gets left out of the group of six game or the New Year's six game or even the playoffs. I think they're going to be pretty upset, but it does seem like they're not quite as good this year. And maybe a team like Fresno State is actually better than them. And I think that has kind of set the table for Fresno State to get a little more votes in the top 25. They climbed up to about 30 in the polls this week. And uh, I think it's going to make the college football playoff committee think a little bit harder when they come out with their initial poll next week, which is going to be the ultimate decision maker when uh, deciding who makes that game. And um, if UCF does fall somewhere, I think it may hurt them quite a bit more than it had and maybe open the door for a Fresno State to leapfrog them if they keep uh, continue to rolling and win the Mountain West. Now, do you see them uh, having a stumbling block uh, somewhere down the line for UCF that 
could actually open up the door for the Bulldogs? Well, they reach kind of the tough part of their conference schedule as well. Um, they get Temple, Navy, Cincinnati, South Florida, who are all bowl teams pretty much. Um, Cincinnati was undefeated until last weekend. South Florida is also undefeated. If UCF wins, is undefeated and then loses to South Florida, that doesn't do a whole lot for the Bulldogs because if both of those teams are in the top 20, it's not going to hurt either one of them very much. And if one of those two teams wins the championship game in the American Conference, then they should basically wrap up that New Year's Six game. So if you're Fresno State, you want to see UCF fall between one of those other games, Temple, Navy, or Cincinnati. Or the other scenario is if one of those two teams gets in the American Championship game and loses, you've got to be a conference champion to secure that bid. So that's the other way you can look at it, too, because it's pretty much going to come down to the champion of the American Conference or the champion of the Mountain West Conference. And then the only wild card right now is Appalachian State. Appalachian State. <laughs> Never thought I'd even hear that for the longest time. Uh, but the right now, the way things are shaken out, the Bulldogs just need to take care of business. Had they not stumbled against Minnesota, this would be a total different conversation yeah. right now. Um, and that that loss is looming large right now for the Bulldogs. But it is not one that cannot be overcome. If they can continue to take care of business, UCF and South Florida both stumble somewhere down the line. That would bode well for the Bulldogs, but the Bulldogs need to continue. They need to pretty much from this point out win out. They cannot lose uh, in order to get into that New Year's uh, bowl game. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting to watch. But you know we have to kind of we have to see what's going on here and. I don't know. Boise State is coming back alive yeah. again. <laughs> uh, you know, I was uh, part of me was hoping that they the the mystique, the magic on the on the Broncos kind of wore off this season. <laughs> but it looks like they're back to their old ways again, putting up those points and doing it in convincing fashion. What's your overall thoughts on what the Broncos are doing now? Yeah, they were back on national TV for a Friday night game against Colorado State last weekend, and they looked like the old Boise State. <laughs> they were scoring on special teams. They ran back an onside kick for a touchdown. They, I mean, 56-28 was the final. They were just destroying the Rams. And, um, yeah, they, you thought after losing to San Diego State and a tight one against Nevada, maybe they weren't quite the same, but they're clicking again. They've got to play BYU the week before the Bulldogs play them, so that might be help out the Fresno State a little bit. But um, And then the other thing, looking at the bigger picture, is that if Fresno State does go to Boise State and lose, they still control their own destiny in getting into the Mountain West Championship game. But uh, that would pretty much take them out of the New Year's Six talk with that one. Yeah, so the Boise State is really starting to click again, and that's not a good thing for the Bulldogs because they still have to face them on the blue turf. Um, but the team ultimately that the Bulldogs kind of have to kind of worry about if the Bulldogs are able to secure the the West division um, is Utah State. Utah State is still in that same conversation that the Bulldogs are in for that New Year's Day Bowl kind of uh, uh, invite. And, you know, they they're still they're still going to be one of those teams that the Bulldogs have to look out for. What's your thoughts on them as far as what they've been able to do? Yeah, the thing about Utah State is that the Bulldogs don't play them in the regular season. So if the Aggies win out and Fresno State wins out, 
uh, it goes back into the hands of the pollsters of who's going to host the Mountain West Championship game again. And uh, right now, Utah State has a slight edge. Um, that's why you kind of want to cheer on San Diego State if you're the Bulldogs right now, because if San Diego State keeps winning, they could be ranked. The Aggies could be ranked. Fresno State could be ranked. And a win against San Diego State might be the thing that leapfrogs the Bulldogs over the Aggies in those uh, top 25 polls because this the resumes are pretty even. The Aggies' one loss is a little more impressive than the Bulldogs since it came at Michigan State, who was ranked at the time. So Fresno State's probably going to have to accomplish something in one of these wins to kind of get those extra votes to get over Utah State, who's about two spots ahead of the Bulldogs right now, and what could ultimately be the decider and who hosts the game if both of those teams keep winning. Well, and one thing that I did notice, Herb Street, when he was talking about it, he did mention that the Bulldogs, out of all of those teams, the Bulldogs were the ones with the hardest schedule. The, the the strongest uh, schedule on from any of those teams that he mentioned, does that play a factor heading into the end of the season? Uh, you know, will that kind of help be able to kind of push them into the rankings and maybe leapfrog Utah all by itself? Yeah, um, you know, the analytics are pointing in Fresno State's favor and the fact that they went to two power five schools is getting them some credit, but the two power five schools that they did go to aren't the greatest. <laughs> uh, fortunately, UCLA has put together back-to-back wins, and they might be a little more respectable, but they're probably not going to be a 500 team. Uh, Minnesota just fell to Nebraska, and that was Nebraska's first win. I mean, the the Gophers have talent, but you're not going to get much respect from that game either. At least you can make the argument that Fresno State was about one play away from extending that game. Um, but you look at Utah State, they haven't quite had that same road. They they did go to BYU, but that's not quite the same respect as the Power 5 school. And their kind of Toledo game that the Bulldogs played was New Mexico State. So it's kind of evened out a little bit that the Bulldogs did play the Rockets. They did play UCLA on the road. And it might help them down the road, especially when these Mountain West schedules are going to be pretty even. So looking at the um, the standings here, uh, there, there's, you can automatically say there is officially four teams that are automatically eliminated from the Mountain <laughs> West title. Uh, you've got Air Force and Wyoming in the uh, Mountain uh, Division. They have officially been eliminated from contention. Then you have in the West Division, UNLV and San Jose State both have officially been eliminated as well from contention. Nevada still has an outside chance, but they need to win out the rest of their season. Um, Same goes for um, Colorado State and New Mexico. Those two teams also need to win out the rest of the season in order to have an opportunity to even try to, you know, make a a run at the Mountain West uh, title. That being said, in the the Mountain Division, the Contenders, the top two contenders, of course, Utah State, Boise State, both with, uh, well, Utah State undefeated in conference play, Boise State with a loss. That puts in the West Division, you've got San Diego State and Fresno State, both undefeated in conference play, 
and Hawaii with one loss. So this means a lot to Hawaii, uh, this upcoming mm-hmm. game, not only to become bowl eligible, but also uh, to have a chance at maybe possibly playing in that Mountain West championship game. So this game really means a lot to the Warriors in more ways than one, right, Jackson? Yeah, Um so if Hawaii loses this weekend, they're pretty much done. The only thing they can hope for is that San Diego State would lose a game and that they beat San Diego State. That would put the Aztecs with two losses, and they would need Fresno State to lose to uh, Boise and San Diego State pretty much. And then you're in a three-way tie. That doesn't guarantee that they get in either. So they've got a lot of help needed their way if they don't win on Saturday. You could pretty much make it a four-team race at that point. And then Fresno State's game at Boise State's big on the other side in a few weeks because if the Broncos have two losses, Utah State might wrap it up before those two teams play in the season finale, and it might not even matter a whole lot as far as who gets in the game from that side. So, um, yeah, this week could pretty much knock out Hawaii and narrow this thing down to four teams. Yeah, and and you know, part of me wants to see San Jose State continue or uh, San Diego State to continue to win so that maybe they'll be ranked by the time the Bulldogs face them. But another part of me kind of <laughs> wants to see Nevada take care of that problem for the Bulldogs and, and make things a little bit easier uh, for them to get there. I don't know. You feel the same way, Jackson? You kind of you kind of torn at the same thing here? Yeah, it's going to it's tough because Fresno State they're they've got to beat San Diego State for the most part um because if they've if something happens they go to the blue turf and don't get that win they still control their own destiny um but if they come back the following week and lose to San Diego State that could knock them out of that title game uh so you want to see um you want to see San Diego State fall but it's only really going to make a difference if the Bulldogs lose somewhere else along the line too where they need a tiebreaker scenario yeah so it's gonna it's it's like you know it's eating at me which one do i want to see happen do i want to see the bulldogs have an easier road of course but do i want to see them face an opponent that will ultimately help them in the rankings yes so (laughs) it is you know both both scenarios are good scenarios although if it makes the road easier for the bulldogs i'm kind of leaning towards uh hoping that nevada knocks off uh san diego this weekend and and takes care of the problem for the bulldogs <laughs> moving forward same goes for the the mountain division if boise can lose uh if boise loses one more then utah state wraps that one up easy before the bulldogs even face them who who does boise have left on their schedule yeah boise probably their toughest game uh, besides the bulldogs and the aggies which are the two notable ones is byu which is a non-conference game so that one doesn't affect the standings. They've got to go to Air Force this week where they've struggled against the Falcons. That's been the one team that's kind of gotten their number over the t- their time in the Mountain West. Um, again, yeah, Air Force, BYU, Fresno State, uh, New Mexico, Utah State. So uh, the Bulldogs and the Aggies are probably going to be the two ones they've got circled. So no matter what, I'd like I'd like to see either uh, see Utah State and Boise State least, at least each lose one more, so that uh, helps the Bulldogs with the <laughs> with the championship game being here. Yeah, uh, and then it won't come down to the last weekend. And <laughs> I, yeah, I'm being I'm being a little selfish because I'd like another home game to go yeah. uh, to go cover. So that would be great thing to happen. So, um, but I don't know. I the things things are going to get a little bit interesting here in the coming weeks. And again, we're going to be covering this 
every podcast until until the scenario becomes a lot clearer because right now things that we think is going to happen tend to kind of play out a little bit differently no i did not see that one last week coming where san diego and uh, and san jose were going to be that close until the end of the game and it's just it just tells you there's a lot of parity right now in the mountain west division uh conference and uh it's starting to rear its ugly head here and uh in in the later in the season but I don't know what 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 else is there anything else you kind of are looking at this Mountain West division and kind of think you know we got to watch out for this. Uh, for me, I see Fresno State, Boise State, and Utah State continue to roll. I think San Diego State could trip up because of their lack of offense, and basically everything else has been pretty unpredictable. Those last <laughs> eight teams, you know, Wyoming can't really score, and they're probably not going to win <laughs> with, with that offense. But other than that, it seems like every team in the the best of the rest group has kind of got a puncher's chance at each other. Now, here's here's the. Here's the one team that kind of sticks out to me, Colorado State. You never know what you're going to get with yeah, that team right now. They've been all over the place. So that team right now could play a factor. Have who have they have they faced Boise or Utah yet in that division? Yeah, they they were the ones that got crushed by Boise State last weekend. But okay. at the same time, you know, they've had some good performances. They've beaten Arkansas, San Jose State, New Mexico. Um, They've had poor performances where they lost to Illinois State at the FCS and they got <laughs> destroyed by Colorado, which is a little understandable. But, um, you know, they're three and five. They don't have to play, they only have to play one of the big Mountain West schools left with Utah State. So they're going to be fighting to win the three out of their last four to get bowl eligible. Now, could they ultimately be the team that trips up Utah State? It is going to be in Colorado State. So that'll be a help for them. But, I think the Rams are just too inconsistent against a team like that. So it's going to be, again, it's going to be a little bit interesting. Now the West division is a little bit more clear cut. We all know who the favorites are there, the the top three schools, and those those teams. Right now, Fresno State's the front runner. Uh, as far as we're concerned, they're the they're the ones controlling their own destiny. All they have to do is take care of business, and they theoretically they should be able to take care of business. Um, it's just, you know, that's, you know, w- w- the way Herm Edwards used to say it, that's why they play the game. <laughs> so, um, that being said, Jackson, I think we're going to start heading off to kind of wrap things up. So what kind of coverage do we have on the bark board that you know of coming through the pipeline right now? Yeah, I've been out of practice this week. We've got interviews with players and coaches coming up, breaking down this Hawaii matchup. Um, some insider looks at some of the personnel and what to expect this week, uh, recruiting coverage, uh, talking to some of these recent offers. The Bulldogs have uh, kind of picked up their offers, whether uh, they missed out on some other recruits or they're needing to start to go down their recruiting board a little bit and get some more names out there, but trying to figure out some more about those recent offers. And I'm going to update the recruiting board here this week, which will go from uh, started at five, and the Bulldogs missed out on a couple of their top guys, but that'll be up to about ten recruits that uh, they keep an eye on for sure. Uh, basketball season's right around the corner, uh, so this is a heavy time, sir. <laughs> Barkboard coverage for sure. Yeah, it's going to start to get a little interesting for us because then we're going to start double dipping here pretty soon uh, between basketball and football uh, once that starts to he- uh, heat up here. Um, but uh, you know we've. 
high school coverage is is starting to get into the end of of high school time right now so we're we're trying to keep an eye on the recruits do you expect a, a big recruiting class coming in again to this hawaii game jackson i think so um They've done a good job getting local kids out to these games, whether they're legitimate recruits or not. They'll put, bring in a bunch of them and let them have that experience. Uh, they probably see about four or five legitimate guys that they're really going after, it seems like, to be the case each game. And then a big group of these uh, 2020 recruits, the juniors, that some of them have offers, some of them don't, but... Um, ones that could be you know they're really trying to get started on for next year's class because as we've seen the bulldogs probably won't take a huge class this year uh when it's all said and done and they've already got seven commits so they're looking to get those maybe next 10 guys and uh then it's time to look ahead for the next year as well yeah and and what the bulldogs tend to do what they like to do uh, that we've noticed is they like to get all those commits done early uh, so december is their target date to try to get all these guys to to sign on with the bulldogs so those are the type of players that they're going to be going after that will go ahead and commit in december to make their job a lot easier moving into the final days of the recruiting classes uh, so that is something that we expect is going to start to heat up here really quickly in the next month or so um where we'll start to see some more commits coming through the pipeline. Is that what your thought is as well, Jackson? Yeah, I think um, during the season they may get one or two more, and then December it'll start it'll start flying for sure <laughs> the, as they uh, try to get some of these other recruits on visits. That's where it becomes fun. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah that, that's where it becomes fun. Both Jackson and I are on, on, on social media just looking all day long trying to see if we see anything else, and uh, it tends to happen. Uh, fairly quickly and sometimes it comes from uh, you know from places we didn't even know it was coming from <laughs> so uh, but uh, we'll, we'll do our best to try and keep that updated for you as soon as we get it um, then uh, you know high school season's wrapping up here fairly quickly we're, I, I think we're now getting close I think this week is last regular season games coming up this week I think rivalry week I think so there's going to be a lot of uh, key matchups. One I'm going to try to head down to this week is that bell game between Tulare Union and Tulare Western so that we can get an update on the uh, re- the commit from Tulare Union uh, to Fresno State and just kind of get his overall thoughts on what the Bulldogs have been doing this season. So I'm going to go and try and wrap that one up for you uh, this upcoming week um, and, and see what we can do there. Um that being said, you can find Jackson on social media at Twitter at JacksonMoore247. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at RedWaveReport. And then you can also find us on our boards at TheBarkBoard.com. Just look for Jackson Moore or Lucio Arik. And don't forget to like our Facebook page. Uh, and Jackson, I don't know what, do you have a count of where we're at right now on likes you know, we're trying to hit that 4,000 yeah, mark. Yeah, we're like 20 away, oh, so God. if you're not already liking us on Facebook, go give us a click. Uh, <laughs> that has been our goal, to try to get to 4,000 before the season is over, and we're only 20, 20 likes away. So, you know, if you haven't done so yet, find the Bark Board on Facebook, give it a like, and you won't be disappointed because you get a lot of updates from us through Facebook Uh, A lot of live content or live updates from Jackson during the games will come through Facebook as well. So that being said, I mean, 
head over there. I mean, you won't be disappointed. You'll get up up to the minute updates of when a new article gets posted on the website. So that being said, I want to thank everyone for joining us and join us back again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics. Mm-hmm.